and welcome to Rebel Hearts, a podcast dedicated to the rebel girls and riot girls in the music industry and why they matter. Each episode will feature songs by bands you just need to hear. So if you think you're ready, I will see you in the front. episode four. Today I'm talking about something I've been dying to talk about since I finished the book. Today I'm talking about Laura Jane Grace and her 2016 book Tranny. Just some background information on Laura. Uh, She is the front woman to the punk band Against Me and she publicly came out as transgender in May of 2012 in the issue of Rolling Stone that I will link to you guys in the show notes. The book was interesting to me for many reasons but mostly because of a couple that I'm going to list right now. Laura has lived with this gender dysphoria since she was as early as the age of five, which I thought was amazing because when she had came out, I had no idea. I I thought that this was just something that she's lived with for maybe like 10 years or so. I didn't know it was as early as the age of five. And she also says in her book when she was about five, she saw Madonna on TV and wanted to be her. And that's how it kind of snowballed from there. And I never listened to Against Me. I didn't know anything about them. I read this book because I remember when she'd come out as trans, I became super infatuated with her. I wanted to know more about her. I didn't really have that much interest in Against Me. Sorry, Laura. I just, it just wasn't for me. I know I love punk music, but I don't love every punk band on the planet. Uh, However, I have since listened to Against Me and they have a couple of good songs. I rock out to them. But mostly I'm just interested in her and her story. So I'm just going to go right into the book. So Tranny, I think everybody listening to this podcast should check out Tranny, no matter what. Especially if you're going to listen to this entire thing, which I anticipate to be quite long because I have a lot to say. It has journal entries from when Laura was fighting her dysphoria and just straight up as honest as any book can get. She even lost a deal with her original publisher because they didn't want it to be as honest and they wanted to paint it as this fairy tale and happily ever after and that is not the case and the way the tranny ends just drives home the honesty and just really doesn't show this fairy tale ending it's not like oh yeah so I decided to live as a female and everything was fine I my life was perfect it just that's just not the way it was in real life and that's not the way that the book ended and I'm so glad that she fought to make it and as honest as possible. So I'm just going to go right into the book, to be honest. Um, Page three is basically the first page of the book. I have the hardcover first edition from 2016, and right out of the gate, the first sentence says, it was 1985 and I was five years old, still young enough to think the lyrics to Madonna's song Material Girl were I'm a Cheerio Girl. I stood in the glow of the television in my family's living room, watching her movements in stunned, silent awe. I just want to give a heads up to you guys that I'm going to be reading a lot in this episode, mostly because I'm just going over her book. It's not a review of her book, it's just talking about the book, so I apologize in advance if I fuck up a bunch because I've mentioned in every episode that my reading skills and this glaring glow in my face is just not something I'm really good at, but I'm working on. So anyway, she then goes to explain something about Madonna and how she mesmerized her 
and she says in that paragraph then on the same page in the last paragraph she says her dirty blonde hair was moosed and frizzed to perfection her neon and black clothes were ripped and torn to accentuate her curves her chunky bracelets and necklaces sparkled and jangled against her arms and neck as she moved to the beat i reached out my hand and touched her on the screen that's me i thought clear as day i wanted to do that i wanted to be that and uh this sense of wonderment was cut short by confusion. Suddenly I realized that I would never be her, that I could never be her. Madonna was a girl, a confident symbol of femininity, singing and dancing on stage in a short skirt and high heels. I was just a small boy living in a ranch house on an army base in Fort Hood, Texas. Grace continues to explain the early, the early on dysphoria in the second paragraph of page four talking about how her father, uncle, and cousin's name were all Thomas James, and that she was also born Thomas James Gable, and even though the name was written on her birth certificate, she never felt it suited her. So again, this is all when she is five years old. And you know, you hear people all the time claim that kids don't know they're gay or they're trans early in life, and that somehow protecting them from playing with the wrong gender toy will later on affect them. But with Laura, it seemed that she knew that she was trans from her entire life from as early as the age of five maybe even earlier than that she just started writing about it from the age of five you know it just again not knowing anything about her or her band this was already really awesome to start learning about how this all started super early on and I couldn't put the book down I wish I read more I wish that books interested me more I read like five pages of a book and then just put it down and never remember about it. But Tranny I read in two days because I just couldn't put it down and I kind of didn't want it to end. But on page five, I promise you guys, it seems like I'm going page by page, but I will, <laughs> I, I will stop. But page five, Laura discusses her early desires to want to dress in women's clothing. She's still five years old, mind you. The first paragraph on page five says, after church on Sundays, I would build forts with blankets and sheets covering my bedroom from corner to corner. Underneath these, those bedding canopies, I created a world of my own. My first experiences with privacy from my parents. To save space on storage, my mother kept her nylons in my bottom dresser drawer. I found them, and natural curiosity led me to try them on. I wondered what was so special about these shriveled brown socks that only my mother got to wear. She explains after putting them on that she felt that this must be what a woman feels, what it feels like to be a woman, which I thought was a really good sentence that she put in there because it's just really, you can just imagine this little five-year-old boy at the time putting on his mother's stockings and just really feeling how, how a woman feels in them. And she said her father was in the military and would often ask what was going on in the forts and she was caught playing Barbies with the neighborhood girl. His reactions were cold and he would say little boys don't play with Barbie girl, Barbie dolls like little girls do, which obviously is something a lot of parents who are clearly terrified of their child being gay or trans or anything other than the quote unquote stereotypical norm straight boy or girl. So it just really, really sucked to read that and that her father was just that stereotypical. On page six, Laura says something that for some reason broke my heart early on. I mean, the entire book kind of broke my heart. But the end of the second paragraph, she writes, people saluted my father when he walked by. He was known as Major Gable, and he wouldn't have tolerated his oldest son wearing his wife's clothes. Now, I'm just picturing this, this 
early young I believe she said that she was eight at the time this boy who clearly already knows that they are trans he she didn't know the word at the time she said that she didn't accept the word transgender until she was about 19 but early on in life she knew that she wasn't born to just live life as a boy so it just really breaks your heart to know that she kind of knows that her father will never accept her if she lives life as a woman and you learn to find out spoiler alert that her father doesn't really speak to her anymore because she came out as trans but going back to the book she goes on to say that her confusion over women's bodies followed her into elementary school she would see older women on the street and want to be as pretty as they were she says at eight years old i caught an edited version of rosemary's baby playing on late night network tv while most kids would shy away from the terror of roman Polans of a roman polanski film i was drawn in by the beauty of mia farrow her hair was short and blonde chopped into a pixie cut not dissimilar to my own i knew that it i knew what it felt like to have hair that short so she made femininity real and attainable to me i had no idea what kind of adult i'd grow up to be but she gave me something to aspire to be maybe just maybe i would look like her one day now, Mia Farrow in Rosemary's Baby was the popular haircut that Tyra Banks on America's Next Top Model wanted to give everybody, and she tried it on two different women, and it just didn't work out either time. So, sorry Tyra, we were rooting for you, we were all rooting for you. The next part of the book deals with the start of Against Me. So before I get into the band and that part of her life, I wanted to take a break and play the first song of the episode. The song is by the band Gloss, which stands for Girls Living Outside Society Shit. They were a band fronted by trans woman Sadie Switchblade. The band broke up, sadly, in 2016, stating, We all remain close friends, but are at a point where we need to be honest about the toll this band is taking on the mental and physical health of some of us. The group wrote, adding that operating at this level of visibility often feels like too much. The punk we care about isn't supposed to be about getting big or becoming famous. It's supposed to be about challenging ourselves and each other to be better people. The breakup news comes just a couple of weeks after Gloss attracted attention for turning down a record deal worth $50,000. Sorry, it took me a while to read that. $50,000 at the time. Frontwoman Sadie Switchblade, who also records as... Hold on. Dyke Drama explained that the band can't technically can't ethically partner with a major label and would prefer their album be self-released funny thing about this actually is that the singer of thursday i believe had a lot to say about this and he kind of like respected but didn't respect this whole thing that gloss did and i was really confused about it but anyway I just wanted to point that out because I remember I was really mad and I read this entire thing that the singer of Thursday said and very confused. They also state in the letter, the punk, oh, I already read that. Oh no, I didn't. <laughs> Sorry guys. The punk we care about isn't supposed to be about getting bigger, becoming famous. It's supposed to be about challenging ourselves and each other to be better people, which I already read, but then I believe Sadie goes on to say, it feels hard to be honest and inward. We are constantly either put on a pedestal or torn down, worshipped or demonized. We want to be whole people, not one-dimensional cartoons. And I respect the fuck out of everything they said, and I am so glad they stuck to their beliefs and also even existed as a band. Like I said, there was a lot of mixed emotions about it, 
against me started because Laura was fed up with authority and had this punk mentality and I know a lot of people say that against me were sellouts and punk's not about being big and all this stuff you know they used to have tapes and they didn't care about anything so it kind of sucks that against me quote-unquote sold out but I mean you do what you got to do I love that Gloss maintained the punk mentality though and said we are not taking this record deal fuck you guys we're just gonna break up and Sadie also mentioned that a lot of the band members had mental illnesses and they just couldn't deal with being I guess famous I mean they're a pretty big band but anyway the song I'm playing for this episode is called Gloss We're From The Future from their 2015 demo that's just self-titled the band's music is still up on their band camp so here it is here's Gloss they told us we were girls and we talk just look and cry they told us we were girls so we claimed our female lives now they tell us we are girls our femininity doesn't fit we're fucking future girls living outside society Again, that was the band Gloss, and the song was Gloss, were from the future, available on their band, cl- band camp sorry, from the 2015 demo that is self-titled. So getting back to Laura Jane Grace and her book Tranny, Laura mentions her love for glam rock because everyone had big hair and she couldn't tell who was a boy and who was a girl, and she loved that. That's when she decided to start her own band. Against Me started as an acoustic project in her bedroom to rebel against authority. I believe it was after she had gotten arrested. Laura shares her journal entries in the book and it chronicles her entire journey through drug abuse, dysphoria, love, and heartbreak. And a lot of the journal entries are just obviously super personal, but it just really adds to her story. And I'm really glad that she went with a different publisher and was able to put the journal entries in there. She since has done an interview I don't remember who it was with but she did an interview about the book and she said uh, sorry I'm thinking about it I believe it was Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon it was one of those late night shows she said that she was going to burn all her journals and that she was just done with them which was kind of upsetting because she carried them for as long as they existed she had all these journal entries and everything and now she's just like well I don't need them anymore anyway On page 40, there is a journal entry which Laura says she took her friend's birth control just to see what it would do to her. She started asking herself what would happen if she kept taking the pills. 
Will she grow breasts? And saying that she wants to and wants to know her body as a girl. Then goes on to say how she would feel in the clothes and how it would feel to have a boy take the dress off of her and started to think about transitioning and what it would be like and says something that really got me. She said in the entry on page 41, would I ever be a pretty girl? Would anyone ever accept me as a girl? Would I be happy as an ugly girl? I could never have a child. These thoughts kill me. Would it ever be enough? The journal entry that's on page 62, it starts on the it starts on page 62 and then goes on to page 63. She wrote, how many years am I going to spend trying how many years am I going to spend staring at dresses in the store windows wishing they were mine? I pray for something or someone to save me. She says a lot that she had prayed to God she would do anything to wake up one day as a woman and sometimes when that didn't work she would pray to the devil and she would just say anything. She would say stuff like, I would spend the rest of my remaining days as a serial killer as long as I woke up one day as a woman. The, the dysphoria was just so prominent and was just always there and like I said I was never a fan of against me so I can't say that I chronicled this entire journey with her but I felt like by reading Tranny I did chronicle this journey with her and it's just amazing that she went through all of this behind the scenes and didn't tell anybody didn't tell any band members didn't tell any friends didn't tell any family this is just all her and her head and living with drug and substance abuse and got married and then had to deal with the death of a, a friend that she had hooked up with long ago and it was just all of these fucked up things along with dealing with dysphoria she said in the journal entry on page 74 the end she says people would think i was mentally ill cross-dressing feels like self-mutilation i can never be anything more than a pervert dressed up in women's clothes so sick 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 I want to black it all out. I do not care if I'm alive or dead. Um, Laura has publicly said after she had transitioned that she had felt very suicidal and actually attempted suicide along with her studio and her home at the time I think was uh, damaged by a tree. I, I remember I was listening to a podcast um, about a year ago. I was at the gym and I was listening to a podcast that she did. I don't remember what it was or who it was with. But it was another rock magazine that did it with her and she was just like super bummed out about it as she should be. But at least she seems to be doing better now. Laura said that she had tried to slip subtle lyrics in and um, be super subtle in one of the Against Me songs called The Ocean. She said that she got the name for The Ocean because she was staring at the ocean. It's from their record New Wave and she wrote, if I were born a woman, my mother said she would have named me Laura. And when she was asked if anybody felt weird about it or tried to get like the vibe off of everybody of how they felt, nobody really said anything. So then she just waved it off and said, ah man, I was just stoned when I wrote it. And she even tried to get, um, their director at the time for one of their music videos for her to cross dress in it so there were little slips in there hinting that she was dealing with this dysphoria and it kind of sucks that nobody nobody thought about it there was an interview i believe in the rolling stone article where one of their managers said i must have heard her sing that song 500 times and i never thought about it like how do you not think about it this person is literally saying if I were born a woman, my mother would have named me Laura. And then there's another lyric in it. I don't want to misquote it, so I didn't type out the whole lyric. But she writes, 
one day I want to make an honest man my husband. Like, come on, who writes that? So <laughs> Laura mentions throughout while recording, she would go to hotels and either steal or buy women's clothes and become her. That's what she kept calling, I guess, Laura Jane Grace now, but at the time was just her. Um, she'd feel guilty and throw out the clothes afterwards and just feel disgusted and ashamed. New Year's 20, uh, 2005, she said that she went on her last gender bender, as she called it, before she promised herself she was done trying to be a woman. Uh, Laura, towards the end of, um, end of her life living as male, I guess, she decided that she was just going to accept it and she was going to live her life as male. When she met her now ex-wife, Heather, she swore that she would just live that way and that was it and that she would never deal with the dysphoria again. I believe in the book she mentions uh, the last tour or something. I, it was a really long drive. She took by herself, she would rent hotels, and that she would just go into Victoria's Secrets, go to Target, just grab the first thing that she saw, and she would just have this bag of clothes in a closet, and she would just become her. She had these little goals where she would go all the way to the ice machine dressed as a woman and then run all the way back like she had small little goals that she wanted to do as a woman but then also felt really ashamed and just didn't want anybody to see her or anybody to know what was going on and the book doesn't end on this happily ever after note like i said in the beginning of this episode in fact it ends so abrupt and kind of upsetting that you want to find out more and hope that the book isn't done Luckily, Laura Jane Grace is thankfully still alive, so her story is still being told. She talks about trying to get her hormones in check, and originally when she gets the prescription and the guy won't give it to her, and she's just crying saying, just give me the fucking pills, and it's just really upsetting to read because you can just picture this then male looking at a pharmacist with a bag of hormones screaming, just give me the fucking pills. It just, it breaks my heart. And she wanted to stop taking them at some point and wanting to commit suicide a year after coming out, which I had already mentioned. But she did actually stop taking her hormones, I believe, for a couple months because they were just fucking her up. But I believe she said in this really unfortunate interview that I only watched for two minutes because it was just terrible. I can't believe that she actually sat and was nice to these people. I won't even link to it in the show notes because I'm not giving them any publicity because it was a ridiculous just sexist and terrible interview um she had said that she'd switched to injections because she was taking pills i believe before and the injections are going a lot better she was also she also has said in a couple interviews that she was scared of taking hormones because she didn't want her voice to change she didn't want any of those noticeable changes like she wanted to look and present as female but she didn't want it to really affect her voice because she liked the way that she sounded even though it's funny because in the book she always says that she kind of hates her voice but I guess everybody kind of hates their voice especially if they listen to it over and over again I'm sure if you're in a band and you listen to yourself enough unless you're a complete narcissist you start to hate your voice I don't know maybe calling people narcissists isn't really the best word but I think it's a common thing and 
the book talks about one day Heather coming home after drinking saying I'm attracted to men not women which actually brings me to an article where Heather kind of defends herself without mentioning that part in Tranny. The article is a response to an interview she did with a reporter named Alex Morris and how she got a lot of stuff kind of twisted and out of context. She also says shame on Rolling Stone for posting a topless picture of Laura without censoring her nipples because even though she doesn't agree with the censoring of nipples, they do it for all women and showing their disrespect by not censoring a trans woman's nipples. So she says... When, why when she asked me about this is Heather talking about Alex Morris the interviewer who interviewed her why when she asked me about an excerpt from Laura's upcoming book concerning whether I was attracted to men or women which in my opinion is a pretty heteronormative baiting maneuver and I explained fully the conversation that Laura was referencing explained fully that that was not the case going even as far to share that I was still attracted to Laura and that gender doesn't determine attraction for me why the fuck did she print Heather was attracted to men not women which I've I've actually dove into a lot of research while doing before doing this episode and because I said that I was interested in Laura Jane Grace after her coming out I have read a couple things uh, as they were happening like I saw the um I saw there was an article printed a little while after uh, Laura had come out and they were asking Heather like oh are you a lesbian now like what's your sexuality and she was kind of like well I don't really care she goes this is the person that I married this is the person that I love you know that's that's really it it does it's pretty cut and dry for her they were on an episode of something with style it, it, was, it was on YouTube, it's it, it's like in style, or it was basically these these women come to famous women's house houses, and they just like check out their closet and talk about fashion and everything, and Heather was saying how she really loves that Laura is embracing her feminine side, and that her clothes are going to be kick-ass, and that she's going to look incredible, and Laura also mentions that her and her wife at the time had the same shoe size, so it was awesome. I'm not going to read Heather's entire statement. I'm just going to link to it in the show notes. But Heather just goes on and says that the Rolling Stone article that um, she was a part of is just really ridiculous and out of context. And people just want to know why they broke up. And everybody assumes that when a trans person comes out, especially a, a huge public figure like Laura Jane Grace, it's like, oh, it was because of the transition. And I truly believe Heather. I don't know her in real life. I'm probably never going to know her in real life, but the fact that she stands by that they just grew apart as people. And if you read Tranny, you can actually see it in, in print that Laura writes, you know, we were leading two separate lives. Heather didn't want to live where they were currently living. She wanted to move and they were going to move together. And then they just realized that that's not what they both wanted. You know, it just came at a shitty time that Laura was transitioning, but also Laura was trans like publicly out as a female for at least a year I think so I don't know that was the Alex Morris article at least like I said I'll link to it in the show notes because it's really long and a lot of people have asked Laura why the book is called Tranny and Laura says she hates the word but the book is mainly about self-hate so it felt like a fitting title and Laura does talk about that a lot in the book how she has a lot of self-hate and just kind of 
not kind of but she did hate herself and she talks about how she came out to her band and it was just kind of blurted out she just goes i'm just i'm transgendered and nobody said anything until somebody suggested that they should all smoke a bowl i um the rolling stone article that came out in may of 2012 recaps essentially everything that tranny would later to explain because 2012 is when she came out as trans and 2016 is when tranny came out so obviously if you read the rolling stone article you would find most of the same information just in article form and not in book form if you don't want to buy the book which i'm sorry to hear but if you don't want to buy it but you're curious about what i'm talking about after this episode read the rolling stone article i will link to it in the show notes i won't get into it because like i said it covers everything i just spoke about in this episode but if you haven't read the book at least check out the article first see if it's something that you're interested in see if, see if it's something that you could see yourself wanting to read like I said, I don't know anything about Against Me still to this day. I don't really know much about Laura Jane Grace prior to her transitioning, but it was an incredible read. It didn't take me very long. It's not a very long book. It's not like it's incredibly difficult to read. It's just some really awesome person's story, and I think that a lot of people should read it. Laura also burned her birth certificate in response to the um, bathroom law while on stage at, a, at an Against Me show in protest in North Carolina. She also talked about how she feels about the Trump administration and how fucked up everything is and her feelings about how he feels about trans and gay people. She's uh, since done a couple of articles. If you Google Laura Jane Grace, there's like the fourth article down or something like that where she says um, everything that Trump is doing is fucked and I totally agree. Um, when I, I I'm not really gonna get into politics on this show because I have done that before in different conversations but just really brief if you're somebody that supports Donald Trump and you don't understand why trans people gay people or queer or non-binary people were scared and you haven't turned on the news lately maybe you should because Trump and Pence are just really not doing anything for them and I just think that everybody should go out and support Planned Parenthood and everybody should try and keep these programs alive and try and keep trans non-binary people gay and lesbian people safe I mean keep everybody safe but we need to protect the LGBTQ community especially because they are directly under attack us as females I'm speaking well everybody is but let's be a little real here females are directly under attack because let's face the facts that trump hates women and i don't care what anybody says i don't care how much he says i love women i love them he doesn't love women but anyway that's my trump of the day and there's so much to say about laura jane grace and i threw myself into interviews and articles about her to make this episode and like i said I am mesmerized and inspired by her that this episode barely does her spirit justice, but I just hope it's something because I was dying to talk about this somewhere and I don't know anybody personally that's read this book. I've read a lot of female musicians, um, biographies. I've, I own a lot of books. I own Carrie Bra uh, Bradstein's, um, that's not her name, I, I own Portlandia Carrie. I own her book. Sorry that I don't know her name off the top of my head right now. I feel really guilty about that. Um, I have her book. I have Kim Gordon's book. I have 
Cherie Curry's book. I have Alice Bagg's book. I have a lot of books on women in music, but this one just really captivated me. And like I said, there's there's so much to say about her. I could talk about her for hours because like I said, I've read so many articles and so many interviews. I'm going to link to a couple in the show notes, but I highly encourage you guys to watch a couple. She's really, really well-spoken. She's articulate. She just, she doesn't apologize for anything. And I think that's part of the punk attitude that she grew up having. She just, she's not sorry. And she is who she is. She's living as a female now. And that's all she's ever really wanted whether you think she passes, whether you think that she sounds like a female, whether you think anything of her. She is a woman. She is valid. Trans women are women. She's awesome. And I hope that, you know, people recognize that. So without further ado, for the last song of the episode, I will be playing a band that also inspires me. The band is called Painting Rockets fronted by the amazing and talented Kelly Thompson. Kelly was the winner on Parahoy 2 for the Parahoy Karaoke Contest with her rendition of Ain't It Fun. I saw it in person. It was incredible. I have videos of it. If I'm ever not lazy, I will post them. Uh, Kelly and I became internet friends after the cruise and I am constantly inspired and proud of her every day from her covers to her own music. She does this cover of Zane's Pillow Talk that will just send you on another planet. I really want her to do, for some reason, I Don't Want to Live Forever by Taylor Swift and Zayn. I don't know why, but now every time I think of Zayn, I think of Kelly, and I I don't know if that's weird or not, but I would just love to hear her cover that because uh, Pillow Talk was really good. Her smooth vocals and her spirit bring painting rockets to life, and I'm so honored to know her. This song is called Method in Madness from their 2016 release, From the Debris. I love this song because it reminds me of the early voices of women who inspired me to do this podcast. And before I play the song, I just want you guys to know where to find me. So I'm at facebook.com slash rebelheartspodcast. Yes, I finally fixed it because, like I said, I don't internet so good. My Instagram is samusocks, which is just my regular Instagram. So if you ever follow me on there, I'm sorry in advance for all the random pictures of vinyl and my boyfriend's band and I am at uh, on Twitter I'm just rebel hearts girl I will see you guys at the front this is painting rockets with method in the madness (laughs) 